0: I have a random question, Sefi. Since yeah, sure. you're in the medicine field, uh, what's your opinions about the COVID vaccine nowadays
1: with all the crap coming out about it? Um, simple story. So th- this is particularly my field, so uh, I-, I probably know more than most people about this sort of thing. But uh, basically, Alpha variant for covid. And I've got a couple of patients right now with severe covid, by the way. Um at the moment, there aren't very many of them, but a few, you know, like they're they're around still. Uh during alpha variant, the virus was quite brutal um in the sense that like nobody had immunity to it and it basically just destroyed anybody that didn't have specific like uh native immunity to the thing. And particularly fat people, diabetics in particular were the ones that got like the biggest hurt by it. Um and of course like Um, younger patients had relatively like minor effect from it. So all the controversy about how all that shit was handled and everything, it's like mostly just nonsensical. Like remember at any given moment, you don't actually know how bad something is. Um, You have like truly civilization ending level types of things, all the way to things that are not as bad. And um, it's really hard to know what you're dealing with up front. So everyone's always going to be in a, you know, run around with their heads cut off trying to figure out the fuck to do. Um, I did have a lot of people die of COVID. Um and people that think it wasn't real. I mean, like just if you take like the four or so hospitals I deal with on a regular basis, um, normally like, you know, if uh you might have like in each of the hospitals might have like a few people with respiratory failure on a ventilator. Um, you know, maybe four or five or something like that at, at most with acute respiratory distress syndrome. I had literally like entire floors, every ICU bed all filled with like mechanical ventilators running and you had people dying left and right all over the place. Meaning like if you took the average year of how many people that die with ARDS or acute respiratory distress syndrome, you're probably talking about like a handful, you know, um that 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 pass away from something like nice. this, particularly with flu season and strep pneumococcus staph season. This is like winter time. You have more deaths, right? But during COVID, it was like just obscene. Like the number of deaths was just like the number of people with severe ARDS too that had very stiff lungs and just destroyed lung tissue was very high. Some people on the internet mistook this for, oh, doctors put everyone in the ventilator, that was the problem. No, that's not the problem. The virus is just much more brutal. By the time, uh, so, so at that time, you didn't have any vaccine, right? You didn't have, all you had to do is people had to die in order to cull the herd. And anyone that was about, that could die, did die. That's it, ultimately, right? It's just survival of the fittest. It's like a, it's just evolution. Then you had, of course, by Delta vaccine, I mean, Delta variant, right before Delta variant, you had vaccine available. And I think it was like January of the following year, whatever, 2021, 2022, right, right around there, like Pfizer's came out, I probably got hit with like, I probably took one of the earliest available ones. Because people like me or people like are the ones you don't allow to die. Because like, like, like if someone like me dies, like a lot of people are going to die because like I handle a lot of volume, like hundreds of patients at a time during that time. So therefore, like, you know, the government sees to it that I stay alive somehow.
2: Yeah, we were the first. So
1: <laughs> yeah, so so I got popped with the first Pfizer vaccine It was most and it was also luckily t- happened to be one of the more effective ones as far as like um, having some immune effect, right? Um, all of the concerns about like vaccine concerns um, it, at that time were largely overblown in the sense that your likelihood of uh, dying if you didn't get the vaccine um, were, were substantially high enough that it was worth any risks of like side effects and things. So back then at Delta variant, what happened was, um, so, so Alpha variant, remember, like th- there was no vaccine. By the time Delta came out, A bunch of people got vaccinated quickly, particularly in our area. And one thing that was very, very notable was uh, that the people, almost like 90% of the people in the hospital at that time that actually got hospitalized to the level where they needed ICU care and they needed to be ventilated and such, like 90% of those were unvaccinated people. So this idea that somehow the vaccine didn't work is absurd. It very much worked. Like I could give you, I could walk you around a hospital and show you countless examples of people who were like, didn't take it. And, and the the numbers are really stark too. It wasn't like, um, oh, you need a special study to analyze this. You walk into any hospital and you're like, holy shit, like, you know, 90% of these people were not vaccinated. That's how they got in trouble. Now that's not to say that everyone on the planet was at risk for dying. No. I mean, this thing killed like probably 0.3% or less of people. So it's not as if like, if you didn't get the vaccine, you were certainly going to die. It's something nothing like that. In fact, we never portrayed it as such. You have to decide like ultimately what is going to be the the risk you're willing to take. Now at the same time, like, you know, was it necessary to get teachers and whoever else vaccinated? Most teachers and stuff wanted the vaccine, by the way, they, they like the only people, the people you hear on the internet are just the randoms. Like 95% plus of most teachers were like, pop me the vaccine. I'm with kids all the fucking time. They're bringing COVID to me all day long. I don't want to die of this shit. In fact, we were having problems. where like, I'd get principals calling me from schools and stuff, be like, wait, what do we do with these teachers? And some of them are like, they don't want to die at the school. Like, they don't want to come to work. And so like, so there were definitely legitimately a lot of people that wanted it actually early, especially those at high risk or a lot of exposure or something like that. Right. So, and of course you had like, um, uh, so what happened with Delta was at that point, I think it was quite effective. After that, by the time Omicron variant, which is the next variant that came out, it was much milder. In fact, I contracted that variant, and it didn't even feel as bad as like a common cold for me. Like I barely even noticed I was sick. Like I knew I was sick because like a couple of other people around me, I think my son and my, my cousin, you know, we had traveled, and, um, and my dad had leukemia and stuff at the time, so we had to travel back and forth from a cancer center specific to that, and probably in our travels or something, we contracted it. And it was Omicron variant was like super super mild. And the number of people I had in the hospital, because like, you know, I'm like the people I see, I have enough hospitals that I see that I'm a pretty good litmus test for how things are going. <laughs> like, you know, it's just my personal anecdotal experience. Pretty, it's going to be pretty accurate because of the sheer volume that I see. So um, in, in that, like in, in the Omicron variant, like very few people are getting actually hospitalized and such. So it's like then you can make the argument, wait a minute. Is it is the reason because all the people that were in COVID, a lot of them already did. That's one reason. Sure. Another reason is a significant portion of the population was vaccinated by then. And we know with the Delta story that that vaccinated population helped with some of the herd immunity, right? So maybe the Omicron wasn't that bad because I was vaccinated. Maybe it wasn't because it was just a milder variant. But remember, viruses, over time, they become less virulent. Coronavirus is a common virus. Um, The the virus, you know, like, you know, the fact that you know COVID is interesting or SARS is interesting is because it's a new variant, and so there it's more destructive. But the natural uh, response, the, the natural progression of viruses to become less deadly and more easily spread. Viruses have no benefit from killing you. They, they, they. Survival of the fittest states that they're, they they want to do the thing that makes it more likely to spread from the next person to the next person. Meaning you form snot. You sneeze on someone or whatever, and you know you touch some doorknobs or whatever, and it goes to the next person. It doesn't want to kill you; it wants to spread as much as possible, right? So each variant became less and less impressive, which is great. Um, now you don't know for sure that will happen with these mutations, but in this instance, that's what happened. And by the time that, like, you know, they had all this vaccine production ramped up and ready to go, it was like, wait a minute, hold on. Like, <laughs> the Omicron just wasn't that bad, so I didn't take any further vaccinations since. I think the third one or whatever that was required for work and like was, you know, right after Delta variant um, passed, I thought like, and at that time, by the way, the number of patients in the hospital dropped off dramatically. So the probability at that point that you're going to die of this thing is low. On top of that, I already had Omicron on top of the fact that I had the vaccine. So therefore the odds I was going to die of COVID is basically nil. And then like, you could also look at other factors like racial groups and things. Once you realize, wait a minute, I'm not fat. I don't have diabetes, I don't have this, I don't have that, and I'm not in particular racial groups that had a higher predilection of death, then it's like, wait a minute, now my odds are even lower than the general population. There's no obvious reason to get vaccinated um, at all. Like the same reason you don't get vaccinated for the common cold. There comes a point after which it's just simply not necessary. And so that's where I think COVID is now. By and large, not necessary. But at the same time, I do have patients that are stuck in the hospital for like six weeks with um, sort of varying levels of ARDS. And high oxygen needs who are um, who i have right now i have a couple of patients at the moment with this problem um and i don't i didn't even ask if they were vaccinated or not i didn't really worry about it too much but the point is like um, so it wasn't a non-issue and you could argue all sorts of things about how vaccines should be released and how much testing the problem is by the time if you if you wait for all the testing to get done it's too late to actually produce them um, and on the other hand if you have a civilization ending vaccine which is like once you get to 3% mortality, it's like quite literally infrastructure collapse of the planet. Then you'll be like, oh, shit, I wish we had a vaccine, right? Like if you're living in some you know zombie apocalypse type of scenario, you're gonna be like, oh, fuck, I wish they made a vaccine that worked better. You know, hit me with the jab or whatever. So anytime something doesn't turn out maybe as bad as one thinks it will, everyone who was involved will get blamed for like, you know, a Cassandra complex saying the sky is falling. On the other hand, if like something really, really bad were to occur. Then everyone will be blamed for not doing enough. And that's pretty much the, the, the paradox of
0: this situation. So, I guess why I ask is because, for example, like in the news just in the past year, I would say a lot of young kids and they're 19, 18, blah, 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 all of a sudden die from heart attacks, heart failures, blah, blah, blah. Would you blame that on the vaccine? Or, like, how does this stuff kind of happen? And why does it, um, why has it been starters, coming up on the starters. news recently?
1: For starters, if you're in my, my line of work, you see people die of random things as kids all the time. Um, this idea that like, children don't die of random things is like patently not true. You have lots of different cardiomyopathies from things like Coxsackie virus and other things that will kill you, just randomly, by the way, without having any risk factors for anything. The question you should be asking, or anybody should be asking is, is the rate of death dramatically higher than usual? And I would say if you just take anecdotally you know a series of hospitals i haven't seen anything weird in terms of the types of deaths that have been shown Hold on yet. in fact you said Koksaki, people can yeah. die from cocksucky coxsackie virus oh okay whoa 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 yeah yeah that's interesting. Um, no but
3: <laughs> like, yeah like i have a hypothetical question like which one is the you know for the more threatful for the humanity like one more the deadliest virus or one more powerful vaccine that will reduce the death rate of humanity
1: which is more deadliest for the human no but first of all the vaccines were like uh they were not very deadly at all by the way the, the twitter makes it sound like it's a fucking like you know gigantic thing no like the number of people i saw that actually had a vaccine related side effect you could can't you can't even count on one hand it was so little that it was like largely you like meaningless like why pump would probably tell the same thing like you're like, wait, what are all these people on the internet fucking talking about? Like, everyone's dying of myocarditis? just some bullshit. No, they're not. <laughs> like, it's just not even close. Like people are doing, you know, vast majority of people do just fine. Um, so it's like, it's, you know, there's a, there's like a misconception oftentimes of like cause and effect. Oh, so-and-so died. There was there's a guy on Twitter that was totally pissed at me because I mentioned vaccines or whatever. He's like, thinks I'm some mega vaccine advocate or some shit. And he was upset because his dad died. I'm like, sorry, your dad died. But like, I got news for you. Like, my dad got leukemia a year after getting the vaccine. Does that mean the leukemia was caused by the vaccine? I don't fucking know. Like, it shouldn't be. Like, people get ALL long before coronavirus or, or you know, long before this happened. No. And he survived because the drugs available made him survive. But the point is, I don't know for sure if that's the case. So years from now, what will happen is you will have, like, studies that are done that look at epidemiology of, like, increased death rate. But the problem is, you won't be able to actually tell if let's say the world had an increased death rate for a few years, you won't be able to tell how much of that death rate was attributed to the virus itself causing myocarditis and other problems that leads to events versus vaccine-related complications. There's no way to separate the two at the end of the day, because like the you can't separate those populations effectively to study it really, really well. But I can tell you just anecdotally in the in the course of like many hospitals, the number of people that were actually admitted for some sort of like Vaccine related myocarditis or something like this was basically like, I can't even remember, barely one or two, maybe. I, and I don't even remember if those are actually. And what, what, basically, is, basically nothing memorable. What if a what yeah, like, vaccine decreased the death rate, you know? In the population. Yeah. It, now, I think for, like I said before, I think for Delta, it did. How much is it contributing to reducing the death rate now? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Like, like, is the vaccine really necessary at this point? Like, like flu vaccines or whatever. Uh, And they, by the way, I don't know where, like, they came up with this idea that it prevents spread. Like, you know how people, they made it sound like, oh, if you take the vaccine, it's going to prevent. No, no, it doesn't. Like, there's no scenario where you can prevent spread of coronaviruses by taking a vaccine. So I'm not sure why that. So the, the problem of messaging about the virus is a whole nother problem. Like, cdc messaging and trump messaging and various randoms messaging fauci whoever the problem is like they said a lot of stuff like kind of off the cuff type of remarks and other shit that people took really really seriously like it was like the the you know gospel and the problem was like if i had a really strong criticism of the administration it was that messaging was fucking terrible like if you had me talking about this shit to the country it'd be very different than those those imbeciles just going on and on like, because like there is a, there's a rationality to all this. And if people understood the rationality and the, the relative risks and the nuances, they might have understood it better. But the other problem is like with messaging is the public has a very short attention span. And like, let's say I have a conversation for an hour, right? Like doing a podcast or something like this. And I'd have a conversation for an hour. Um, you'll have something in that conversation you don't like. You know, like you'll you'll latch onto that, and you'll just try to figure out how to attack me about it. And the problem is, is that like when it comes to things like health, life and death, vaccines, things that affect your whole family, things that affect the whole country or your family or your 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 group or whatever, it's very emotionally charged. And there's always someone that's going to be upset about something. So it becomes very political in the sense that like leftists are going to have a certain view about these things. People on the right are going to have a certain view about these things. People that are libertarian are going to have a different view about these things. And if you don't understand also like the nature of politics, your ability to communicate to all people is going to be very difficult. You notice how bad like a lot of these politicians are speaking to people. It's because they really don't understand the libertarian's point of view. They don't understand the the leftist point of view or the right point of view. And if you use the right language and sort of speak to all sides, like, you know, the libertarian, you have to convince someone that like, this is useful to maintain your freedom because if you're dead, you're not free. That might be a message that you'd give a libertarian, right? Like, and so you wouldn't say you have to take this. Otherwise you're going to, you know, you're going to be like, you can't go to work or something like that doesn't work that great. Um, so how you speak to different groups is really important. And I think the, the biggest problem I have is most of the ideologues talked to the people as far as America's concerned. And, uh, that led to a lot of silly chaos, um, and America in particular is more por- polarized and more partisan than, say, for example, a Japan or a South Korea or something like that. So the, so like nobody like like truly for like if you look at Japan, South Korea, like they didn't skip a beat for any of this stuff. There wasn't a lot of political drama. Only Americans create all this political drama for no apparent reason. And um, this is interesting. Um, the entire process is really interesting. But at, but as far as vaccines now, do I think you need to take a coronavirus vaccine? Not particularly. I don't think there's any great reason to believe that it's particularly helpful now for anything. Yeah, like. Um, Mainly because the cases of severe cases are so relatively low. Like, yeah, you could go get hit by lightning today, but that doesn't mean you're not going to ever go outside. You know, there's a the risk is not worth the. Like, there's not there's not enough risk to make it make people, you know, the way you have to worry about this that much, in my opinion.
3: I have a question. This dude reached out to me a couple of weeks ago with this biotech company and he was claiming that they're trying to build the reverse vaccine. So somehow like turn off that spike protein. Is that something I didn't really reach back out to him? Uh, is that like something that's doable or is it bullshit?
1: It's bullshit, bro. It's totally bullshit. Sounds like nonsense. Like, what do you mean reverse bike protein? Why would you do this? I mean, the dude has like a TED talk and every Like, he's quite known. But the simple way this works is, um yeah, I'm not sure. Like, you'd have to to send me the information.
2: Anyone can do a TED talk. You don't have to. I know. Yeah, that's true, too. I I don't know if it's the same guy. I know a crazy guy that's like out of his mind that has a TED talk. It's like his banner on Twitter. Yeah.
1: So, just, like, here's the thing.
3: DM me like... his name, please. Well, let yeah, me just clarify. H like,
0: Flavor. H. Barfreude.
1: Alan. Furelli, right? Alan? If his forever. name's
2: Alan or starts with an A, that's a crazy dude. If he's got his TED Talk on the banner, he's like cuckoo.
1: Yeah, so, so here's the thing about, okay, like, number one, what does mRNA vaccine do? MRNA is a very small molecule, and what it does is it gets transcribed into a protein and then it disappears. It whisks into oblivion because MRNA does not last very long in your body. It creates the protein long enough for your immune system to have a response. Your immune system response to these proteins is not everlasting either. Otherwise, you wouldn't need boosters and things either. So like whatever effect it has is temporary and fleeting um, within probably a year or so. So there's nothing like reverse anything one has to do at this point. in general, and the num- and maybe there's an idea of creating some kind of system. You know, could there be a different way to suppress the, the virus or other viruses in the future using different techniques? Sure. Uh, you know, a lot has been learned from all of this. I'm sure there's going to be like the technology like the next time you have a major pandemic, it's probably a dramatically easier to solve for it than it was this time, because the tech has improved so much in so many ways. Um, and you're, you're going to wish that they, like, if we have a civilization ending virus, you're going to wish they come up with fucking something. I promise you. So, um, you don't want to like, you know, like completely throw out the baby with the bathwater in this sense. Um, so, cause there's been very, very nasty infections in the past, um, that have killed lots and lots of people. So, um. And, um, but yeah, you know, are there all sorts of interesting theories out there? And a lot of like people, there's some definitely some internet personalities that were fascinating. I forget the names of them, Weinstein and some other people. There are some different people that were like, had sort of like, like, kind of like, you know, some biology degree, or they had like, maybe, you know, what's that guy that was like. He originally wrote some paper about the use of mRNA for vaccines, and so therefore now he's acting like he's the biggest authority in the world. What you'll notice is in the public sphere, whether it's um, YouTube or some of these YouTube celebrities, these people were basically just by and large LARPing. I mean, that's what they were doing. Like, they don't have anything to do with anything. They're not doctors actually treating anything. They're not actually... Um, and, and by the way, my experience is not direct science because I just simply treated patients. I can just give you experience of what that looks like. I'm not going to LARP about my knowledge about how vaccines work. Um, so like, you know, an actual expert will tell you what they have no fucking clue about and have, you know, you don't have that expertise. Like you're just like, you know, so, but there's definitely a lot of people that like quasi biological nonsense, like ancillary, like, you know, you know, knowledge that sort of tried to weigh in heavily because they wanted to be like, what's that guy? Like it's like the, the 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 astrophysics guy the black guy that always like is the spokesman for astrophysics i forget neil the name, the guy. Tyson. Yeah, name? neil grass tyson yeah you know how neil grise Tyson my boy. is more of like hey but you know how he's he but he's more like he's not an active scientist i'm sorry so but he's an idiot he's a total hey, i idiot. love i love watching him
2: <laughs> talk i don't give a yeah. shit i love it
1: so i, so I he's, heard he's, that he's a, guy. He, but Okay, whatever. What, the point mean, is, he's an internet the, celebrity. Y'all
2: haters in here. You Neil know, deGrasse.
1: But he's I like love a, his face. No, he's fun to listen to. He, and he's, he's out an internet Pluto, celebrity. Man. But Pluto was you, a beautiful planet. Vikram, hold up a second. But would you trust him if he told you exactly how to solve for an asteroid strike on this planet? Or would you yes. have to find some NASA engine? Kill
2: me. You're so you would trust him.
1: <laughs> but my point is, like, there are a lot of internet celebrities that be- became famous because of their anti or pro vaccine stance. And you have to be careful about those people because you'll notice that they're not fucking actually in active vaccine research, nor do they have any fucking clue what they're talking about. So, like, there's a lot of that that happened on the Internet that made it really confusing. And, and, and a lot of people went down the vaccine rabbit hole. So if you didn't like vaccines, you had plenty of shit you could find on the Internet about not liking vaccines. If you like them for some reason, you could find all sorts of shit on the Internet that made it. Um, interesting. And then there was some Psyop stuff going on too. There was a website called, I forget the name of it, covid 19 somethingcom And they would put up every single possible study of of useless significance that was non vaccine related that claimed that you could treat, you know, COVID with any number of, you know, remedies or whatever. It's just pure nonsense for the most part. But like there was literally like just extreme fanaticism about this sort of thing that I found extremely like not just laughable, but like extremely educative, educational about how human beings behave. I found the whole thing to be totally fascinating, looking at it from my perspective, looking outward. How long does a vaccine last in your body? The vaccine itself doesn't last but moments. I mean, mRNA just disappears from your body within no time. Like your body's producing mRNA all the time, by the way, every cell is all the time. And that mRNA gets used and then just broken apart into little bits in your cytoplasm of your cells quite quickly. So the same is true of this. This is not like some permanent mRNA floating around in there. It's not like an immortalized mRNA or something like that. We're just producing some protein forever. Um, that's not what this does at all. In fact, if we had that technology, that would actually be useful for certain diseases. Is, we don't have that tech. So your mRNA is, is, is something that breaks apart. It naturally does. And so um, which you're, are you asking, like, how long does the residual effect of, like, your immunity against, like, your antibodies against spike protein last? Or yeah, I, are you asking, I, like, I, how long does this protein sit around in your body?
0: I guess I'm just asking, let's say I got the vaccine when I three years ago. Is that vaccine still in my yeah. system or is that is just my…
1: Actual- the, vac- the vaccine is gone. You might have residual antibody responses to this day. Is that enough to protect you from severe disease? It might be. Is it enough to protect you from no symptoms at all? Probably not. But, like it, but, the, but the effect wanes substantially after about a year. And this is true, by the way, of most coronaviruses, most cold viruses. That's why we don't have vaccines for like the common cold. It's just not possible to do it at scale without and have it last. These viruses mutate too quickly as well, by the way. Last year's vaccine is not, I mean, virus is not even the same as this year's virus. There's new variants and stuff. So you can't vaccinate. Like for flu, like they look at, flu is special. Flu, what happens is it tends to emerge out of birds and pigs, um, and it, it migrates between the duck migrations and pigs and whatever else in China. And China in particular, they, they keep ducks and pigs close by. So if you have a flu epidemic every year, blame the Chinese to a large extent. But like, <laughs> what happens is the virus recombines in animals and humans in China. It, the new variants show up. And then what the, the vaccine manufacturers do, they go and they check what type of proteins they need to form antibodies to. They find those proteins specifically in China and in Asia. They create, formulate the new vaccine and then Americans can get the vaccine. If you go to India or if you go to China, there's no flu vaccine. That, that I'm aware of because it's too late. It's too early by that point. Indians and Chinese have to get the flu in order for you to, they have to get the flu in order for us to figure out what variant to use for the vaccine for us in America. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, th- these viruses vary in terms of are vaccines useful? How long does the actual effect last? Is it a year? With flu, it's only about a year, and especially because the variant is different in the following year, not just because the immunity wanes. So, pretty interesting stuff. Like, and even you getting the flu doesn't prevent you from getting the flu the next year and the next year. But if you were born in a bubble, like let's say you, you know, like quite literally didn't, you, you were born in space or some shit, devoid of all viruses or whatever, and you just show up on Earth, you're going to get bombarded from the moment you, you, you show up with all sorts of viruses and probably will die of something. Um, so we, we develop immunity throughout our lives to some parts of these various viruses a little bit of flu, a little bit of common cold, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And that way, you're sort of like building up a baseline immunity to a variety of things. Um, It's when a brand new virus emerges out of nowhere or is engineered or whatever, then you get into trouble. That's another thing controversial, too, that like, you know, was this virus engineered? Are we sure it was engineered virus that escaped? All of that stuff is really, really hard to follow as far as the literature on it. I think it's probable that it was an actual um, lab-grown thing. I mean, it's possible, I don't know about probable, it's possible, and I think it's quite possible that um, like a researcher or something at the lab fucked around and found out and accidentally released this onto the world, Um, because that was just an inevitability so long as you do any kind of virus research, that something like that would happen essentially. So it's not certainly not out of the realm of possibilities, and you certainly don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to think that's possible. Now, on the other hand, is that what actually happened? I don't know. On the other hand, was it purposeful? Like, did someone do this on purpose? I don't think so, because, like, if the Chinese were to do it on purpose, you would think they'd, like, well, figure out how to vaccinate their own population or some shit first. Um, And their economy suffered severely because of this. So They shut down for, like, two years and fucked up the whole entire stock market. Exactly. so if it was intentional, they sure fucked that up. Right. <laughs> so it was like, human beings aren't very good at doing intentional shit at that scale, by the way. So and I think even the Chinese would understand this, like, it's very difficult to sort of do some kind of bioterror event of that scale and not fuck that up royally or have consequences that are far reaching that you can't fully predict. So governments usually want outcomes they can predict. They don't want to fucking like you know like oh we think america's gonna print a lot of money if we do this you know like these kinds of like conspiracies that it's all some central agent um there's no human i've met so far that has enough far-reaching understanding about the future that they can come up with a plan to do all this shit and like do it on purpose i can understand like if some sociopath or some shit did something crazy that but not as a conspiracy like they have a grand plan i can understand i could i could understand that there could be a human out there that wants to fuck up a lot of people because they're fucking nuts i think that's plausible i've met enough sociopaths to know that that can happen but at the same time like you know is that what happened here i i don't know i doubt it so i don't i don't think i'm assigning a malignant um motive to china or anybody else for having something like that be released or whatever it is so yeah it's interesting um yeah what
3: do you think of like, you know, the theory that things like this are coordinated events to basically achieve some overarching economic goals slash I don't think demographic so. goals? I don't
1: think so. It's just too it's just too sloppy of a a thing to try to attempt to make any kind of definitive like how can you be sure your goals are reached? I mean, it doesn't make any sense like
3: well, if you if you have like a lot of aging populations in different countries and you don't have enough kids to you know have to you know you don't have enough people who work to pay the pension for those kids and at this, you basically have too many old people and not enough young people
1: bullish on Hedera. Yeah, thank you thank you Hbar uh, Hodler. Um, we'll we'll make sure and buy some Hedera hash graph. Um. Yeah, I, I think like worrying about those conspiracy stuff is kind of pointless because like, what are you gonna do about it anyway? Let's say someone did do it on purpose. What the fuck are you gonna do about it, right? Like, like the yeah, deck, Like, true, for sure, I, it's, yeah. I find it funny that people go down these these rabbit holes, like worrying about this shit. Like, who the fuck cares? I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, what are you gonna do about it? You're gonna, you're if you're gonna save lives, save lives. You're gonna hide, hide. If you're gonna take vaccine, take it. If you're not, don't. Whatever it is, like. But at the end of the day, it's like you think you're going to solve like, you know, like whatever six billion people on this planet are doing. Like on any given day, how many things do you think? There's eight billion, whatever. The eight billion people laying around on this planet, how many of those are you in control of? None. Like almost none. So the reality is like there could be any number of disasters that happen that are human mediated that you're not going to prevent. And for that matter, on top of that, you're not going to be able to prove either. Like let's say you could prevent them. Um, what are you going to do about it? Like, you're going to go and like scream at the top of your lungs somewhere. Like, it's just nonsense. Like, you're like, you're, you're like, this is not a, a way to become useful in life is to worry about this sort of shit. <laughs> it's just like, uh, and you know, even people like NSA and CIA, like, you know, like you could create any number of possible, um, concerns. Like if you go look at the NSA's list of the, you know, 10 top 10 things that could destroy the United States or whatever, or you look at like, you know, the CIA's biggest hotspots in the world in terms of things they're worried about. I mean, how many times have this NSA and CIA fucked all that up, regardless of having good intentions? I mean, probably more, there's probably more fuck ups than there are successes, more than likely. You just don't hear about them, right? So like, do you want them to not try to prevent certain wars or certain dictators or whatever? America in particular used to be like this, by the way, um, before when the Monroe Doctrine was a thing and before Pearl Harbor and whatnot, like uh, the U.S. used to be very standoff. They didn't sort of play around in world affairs and whatever. But after World War II, they they're like, fuck that, because basically uh, you can blame Hitler for the world you have now in that, like, because being a country and just wanting to be fucking left alone, people are going to bother you anyway guess what? Well, you woke us fucking up and you got, you know, like a bunch of people had to fucking die. And that's how that played out. Um, So if countries leave each other fuck alone, you wouldn't have to have uh, people like the United States or whoever running submarines all over the world, blowing shit up. But the reality is if you look at the world today, I'm pretty optimistic. The number of people on this planet right now that are, have a belly with food in it and, you know, who have like, a better quality of life than that we did like a hundred years ago. The number of people that are dying of straight up starvation today compared to 150 years ago is night and day. So we've made a lot of progress on this planet in terms of just like human longevity, you know, human poverty and all sorts of other things. And now the people on Gaza are are pretty much suffering. So Well, but the (laughs) thing is like, but if you say, if you count up the people in Gaza and Israel, you maybe count up the people in the world trade centers, you count up the people in, Whatever, like pick your conflict. Whatever, Afghanistan, Iraq. The number of people dying in war in the last uh, since World War II is way, way, way lower than it used to be um, during the the Great Wars and whatnot. Um, by the way, most of those were not the U.S.'s or anybody else's. Like, it certainly wasn't the U.S., North America, South America's fault for those wars. By the way, <laughs> like that shit was like wholesale, you know, created by Europe. And if you look at how many Muslims have killed each other for stupid shit, that was not caused by um, Americans or whoever the fuck else either. I mean if you look at centuries, thousands of years, people in India killed each other. Like more people killed Indians than certainly than the British killed any Indians. That's for fuck sure. Um, it was just basically dog eat dog in places like China, Mongolia, India. Like people just killed each other all the time for fucking, you know, whatever else reasons. So the number of people dying in war generally today is much, much lower. Now it's projected on the media, so it's like, oh my God, the Gazans have died, and whatever. Now, you know, I don't want the Gazans to die. I don't want Israelis to die. I don't, don't, don't take this well, away. As,
0: as a, just for me from experience, as a Palestinian, I am a Palestinian, and from what I've seen or from what I've been in there, and the suffering we've been through for the past decades or centuries, you want to say, nobody has really stood. Started- with us, and we've been suffering for X amount of years until recently social media and everything portrayed the truth for the Palestinians. So everything was kind of hidden for the Palestinians. We've been suffering for X amount of years.
1: Yeah, at some level, I blame both the Israelis and the Palestinians, because I think both both the religions are flawed in so many ways. So, like, the problem is if I say that, I'm going to be the bad guy no matter what I no, say. No, I mean,
0: you could blame it on religion at the end of the day. I'm a Palestinian Christian, sure. which is very rare. Uh-huh. But at the, at, right. the, at the end of the day, you could blame the extremists on the left side and the right side.
1: And that's what I caused. Mean, like, in America, for example, I've when I grew up, I had a, uh, a best friend that was Israeli. I had a best friend that like, a very good, like, best friend's, like, my little circle. Think about the stranger kids group you know that that tv show but like that's the kind of nerds we were but i had a kid that was israeli we had one was iraqi uh we had one that was like i mean like truly like you know it was a smorgasburg of different kids and nobody gave a fuck what each other's religions were or whatever we were largely secular in our day-to-day actions or activities Um, nobody killed each other and so if you take the exact same group of people in america they're by and large not killing each other they're not doing anything, but when it comes to land and politics and power, um, both groups come come up with great reasons to kill each other. Like, for example, like Hamas leadership has been a clusterfuck no matter how you look at it. Like, if you're a member of the Palestinians, and you're like, okay, the Hamas leadership fucked this up big time in the sense that like uh, over the many, many years, like it's quite possible that you could have had just as much prosperity there as you did in Israel uh, uh for sure it's, it was feasible but instead r- religious ideology drove the ship instead of say for example creating uh, I don't know technologies or something like that like you know like you could have done there could have been something else so every civilization I'm not saying like um, that's the only thing to blame and you know I'm sure Israel's did plenty of bad things I mean these are not like saints or any shit like that like, like clearly like these are there's bad people on and every side without doubt and there's always is by the way like you know like you think everyone that we killed in germany with the nazis were all bad there are plenty of good german people that were stuck under the hitler's regime that had to die in that process unfortunately um and it wasn't uh, you know it wasn't the uk's fault that germany decided to fucking bomb the shit out of them right so you could ask you you know so at some level um and, and by the way it's not just if you ask me who has created more chaos on this planet, white people or say Muslims, for example, clearly white people have done all sorts of fucking nonsense, right? Like, like like world wars were basically against their own people. It wasn't even like if white people is a clan or Christians or whatever, you had tons of inter-Christian wars, you know, with, for hundreds of years for a long, long time. So a lot of this kind of religious ideology type things ends up leading to um and and by the way being a particular religion, religion christian or otherwise didn't prevent a bunch of wars either which is interesting so these are like human problems and every so often i mean i kid you not like a civilization just gets wiped off the face of the earth one day it but, will be but isn't isn't one the day it will core be of huh?
3: sorry but isn't the core of all of this like a fight for resources which is then you know communicated to people through frames that you know it's all of the above.
1: Think- like, you okay. know, yeah, in, in a way, like I, I try to break it down into like this one thing. Clearly, it's all of the above. It's resources. It's religion. It's, you know, I don't like you. You killed my father or whatever. Like all of like just the entire rapper is like a Moloch phenomenon of just endless nonsense that just keeps going on and on. And, you know, there's no great way to solve for it. And, you know, wh- wh- what are you going to do exactly? Um, you, you know, you, you look at it from the Israeli side, you're like, wait a minute, these guys have tunnels everywhere and they put all sorts of weapons and shit in them. Like they, They're like throwing missiles. Like, let me put it to you this way. If you were to come to my town, I don't care who the fuck you are. You start lobbing missiles into my neighborhood, I can tell you your civilization is going to be exterminated but you
0: by not You can't really look at it like that. Yeah. You've you really got to go if back. If you want to look at
1: Israelis as sociopathic, if you, if you uh, could have any idea how vindictive I would be, if you start lobbing weapons at my children, I will slay your, that's, your nation to the ground.
0: But you're really looking at it not from the deep picture, though. You're looking at it from the Gazans being in prison for X amount of years. You're looking at the more recent picture. I mean... Israel was never really oh, yeah. a nation until they absolutely destroyed all of the Palestinians and put them in this prison. And I mean, you're really looking at yeah,
1: it. I get it. Like, it's all bad. Like, I don't okay, I, yeah. I want to
0: say it's too complicated
1: for the average person to really understand it. Yeah, I, I, again, I don't. This but, I, but all my be point solved. is, like, you can understand the people who want vengeance too, both on the Palestinian and the Israeli side. Wait. Like, you, you get the why the wars don't go away that easily is yeah
2: but it's you know because cooler heads
1: you know what does it take for cooler heads to prevail like you don't have a common religion so it's very hard for that to be the 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 final purveyor you have like arguments about religious lands which doesn't solve anything because the people on the religious right on both sides are going to want to want specific land um and the whole thing is just a mess basically there's no good way to solve it i mean from an outsider's perspective morty you could you could argue that like from an outsider's perspective both groups are idiots and you know it's like you could ask someone in random place around the world they're like i don't know like if they kill themselves who cares that's how people are going to think about it so it's like this assumption four. that the world is just going to care about everybody else is Excuse. like and here's the thing like when america cared about going and helping europe with uh with world war Two, think about it this way like um how much like, look how much flack the U.S. still gets for participating in various Middle Eastern wars and whatever. I had Iraqi friends, and, um, and they wanted America to go into Iraq, for that matter. Like, you know, so there's always, like, two sides to this. And you get a lot of flack no matter what you do. Like, if you don't help the Israelis, you get one set of problems. If you don't help the Palestinians, you get another set of problems. Um, there's no right answer to this shit.
2: This could have like, all been solved. It's, I mean, yeah,
1: you know, I hope all the best for both groups and all that, but it's like those of us who are looking at it from the outside, who who don't have skin in that game um, and are not stuck in those situations, there's no way for us to sort of like, um, I don't know, put ourselves in those shoes in a sense, right? Like, like, what would you tell the world? Like, if you had, if you could tell the whole world one thing to solve this crisis, what would it be? It's hard. Like. Nobody even knows what to say. 2 say solution is pretty simple, but there's people on there's people yeah, who don't want that too. I, I agree, but I'm, you're asking me. You're like, there's oh, there's plenty it's of Palestinians yeah. that don't want
0: that too, and there's a lot of extreme Israelis that don't want that either. So both sides, you could say, are
1: yeah. And don't forget, there's a lot of people in Iran that don't want to. And
0: once again, when you look at the Palestinians, why, around,
1: why don't yeah. they want that two state solution?
0: Because originally it was their homeland. So you could kind of look at it like, oh, yeah, I understand your point of view. But when you look at the Israelis point of view, it was never your homeland to even get to choose a two state solution. Fuck you guys. You know what I mean?
1: Another factor. Another factor is this. Like I so I had a friend that was in the, the, the Egyptian army um, and I trained him as a physician. Um, he had, he had moved to the United States, but he was Egyptian army before, um, for quite some time, um, real nice guy. And he, I I asked him this. So, So when this entire conflict came out that began, I was actually, um, at a conference, a medical conference in, um, like Hawaii, uh, recently. And I happened to meet him there and I trained him. He's like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Like, you know, you know, when, when people I train, it's like, you know, like he's like meeting his mentor kind of thing. We have, we went out for dinner and sat down and I was, it, this conversation came up because, well, that was the conversation of that, that last summer. Right. So I asked him like, what, what do you guys think? Like as an Egyptian ex army guy, what do you think is the deal here? Like, why don't you take like refugees from Palestine or whatever into Egypt and whatnot? And he said, the reason was because like a lot of the people who are Muslim brotherhood in Egypt were actually the same people that were people that were also infiltrating and messing with palestine also so the problem was this is not a homogenous group of people the so-called palestinians you have a lot of different people roaming around these areas still stirring, stirring up all sorts of nonsense for different ideological reasons and while there's innocent palestinians there's also all sorts of randoms in there that wanted to stir up shit and he said the because the way the muslim brotherhood essentially sowed um chaos in egypt Egyptians don't want to have anything to fucking do with those people coming back into Egypt because they're they can destabilize their government they can actually create situations where they they will try to topple and create terrorism events against those people as well and that's happened right so this is what happened and, and so that that was his take by the way not mine I don't I don't really know if it's true or uh, not I just I that's will his opinion.
0: I will tell you how my so for example my grandparents, my dad, they were originally within Jerusalem. They had to flee into a city called Ramallah, which is in Palestine. So we, my people, or sorry, my dad, my grandpa, we're not originally from this city. We're originally from within Jerusalem. So the reason why people in in Gaza, why they don't, sorry, why the Egyptians don't take the Palestinians into, into Egypt is because once they take them into Egypt, Israel will never allow them to go back into their home. They are going to expel them from that land. Israel is going to build their own blah, 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 and those people will never ever see their homes ever again. That's exactly what the history did to my dad, my grandparents. They told them, oh, you'll come back eventually. Nope, they kicked them out. They stole all their land. They stole all the golds in the homes. They stole blah, 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 and for example, my parents, my grandparents were never ever able to go back to their original home. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I I get it, and you know, like, I don't know. It's the, 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 yeah, once again, it's very,
0: areas. it's very complicated as the average Joe yeah. to really understand it. I mean,
1: but here's the here's the thing. If I had to choose for my family, if I had to choose whether or not I get to keep my house and the land I lived on, or maybe even my ancestral land and different places in the world, um, would I choose to keep that or keep the life of my family? Without question, it would be life of my family. I can always find land
0: somewhere. Sometimes people have a lot of dignity They're like, no, fuck it, I'd rather die here. My home.
1: Yeah, and that's going to be why you... That that sort of fanaticism is why you're going to have people have carry this on forever. It's because there's an attachment to the land that is meaningless. It's literally piles of dirt. And Actually, um, there's a lot.
0: Is is. Actually, the Palestinian land underneath and all that is filled with gold and it's worth a lot of money, which is why... You're Who just- knows?
1: But the point, the point is there's gold. There's oil and all sorts of things in front of all sorts of underground, whatever. The point is that's not the thing. It's like... There is no basis for um, any kind of compromise if either the two civilizations can't come together, the cultures can't come together, the religions can't come together or something. Um, And eventually it becomes like a, a drama scenario. I mean, like my wife's state in India is a good example here. Like we're talking about a group that's by and large, all Indians, by and large, the same language, by and large, the same food. Like quite literally, they're not even fighting about necessarily religion. And her state split in two for no other reason except for the upper half wanted certain economic and whatever goals. And the politicians decided to break the two states apart because it benefited them individually um, in terms of the voting bloc and I don't know, whatever else. And it turned out like, you know, so unity is actually quite difficult. Um, Most of the countries in the world um, in the last um, most of the last hundred years outside of like West and East Germany, uh most states and countries have split apart not grown together if you've noticed this um it's it's really really difficult to build together something um and it was a lot easier to do that like for, for example if you form america where there's a gigantic amount of extra land and the the, the geography the borders hadn't been drawn yet but today we live in a world with uh, biology srinivasan the guy on twitter that posts about a lot about of bitcoin shit He makes a good point about this, and that that is that what's different about the world today is that the borders are largely drawn. And when the borders are – the geography is all largely drawn, and the battle lines are all drawn, there's very little room for anyone to sort of run away to. Like, where where are you going to run to exactly if you're Palestinians or if you're whatever? Even if you couldn't get into Egypt, where else could you go that someone's going to want you specifically Um, Why
0: should I be able to leave my home though? That's the problem is why should I have to go somewhere to be safe? But that's just life.
1: There's no civilization on this planet that's had that, their particular land forever, like outside of maybe Africans. So that's just life. Good luck. Like if the present, like number one, everyone you and everyone you have ever known will be dead one day. Remember this. It Like once you realize the existential is like part of this, is that it doesn't matter what the fuck you do. You can kill each other till the cows come home. This planet just won't be around forever. Who really gives a fuck? You won't be around forever. Your children and their children won't be around forever. The reality is like y- y- you have this idea is like a more egotistical sort of like thinking about our, our homelands and whatever else. I have like, do you know how many people are spilling into America today in terms of just crossing the border illegally? Uh, yeah, I've seen you that. Know, It's a gigantic number of people. And the the reality is like, um, you know, I know family members, like my wife's family members who tried to come from India and stuff like this for like the longest time for 20 years, couldn't get a fucking visa. Now you can just walk across and then, and now you can just show up in the hospital and like get free care. And then like an actual citizen now is going to be like waiting in the waiting room while you're, you know, giving free care to randoms. You don't think people are going to be pissed eventually. And then people are going to die. Of course it's going to happen. like, So on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, what are you going to do exactly? You're going to kill them at the border. You're going to shoot them. You're going to like, you're going to like lock them up. I don't know. I'm not sure, but like the the policy has become a complete mess. There's more people involved with those border crossings than all of Palestine in any given year. Like the entire population of Palestine is just roaming free across the border of the United States. And yet here, here we are. So when Egypt is not letting Palestinians come in, um, you know, yet America's letting millions of people randomly in just out of the blue, you can understand how the American public looks at all this and go, wait a minute, what the fuck's going on here? Right? Like, like what, what is actually going on? Like, so if, yeah, I mean, who cares if uh, uh, Israel doesn't let Palestinians back in or whatever? It should be an individual's right, if, in theory, to run to Egypt if they wanted to, or not a right, but you know, like it'd be nice to be able to run away to Egypt if you didn't have a house and your fucking house is blown to bits and there's an Egyptian willing to take you. But that's not the case either. The Egyptians kind of are just as much to blame for locking everyone into that space as the 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 Israelis are. And that's just from my perspective, whether I'm not saying that it's right or wrong or whatever, just looking as an outsider, this is kind of what I see. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? That's why I asked my Egyptian friend, why why don't you let, palestinians in, if they want to come in and he's like well because well (laughs) this is the reason why
3: yeah i mean the issue is the security part of it right so they're basically afraid of hamas entering egypt i would say um but then again you would argue that yeah if, if hamas really wanted to go to egypt would they not find a different way if they already have so many tunnels. And I mean, those tunnels yeah. are definitely also going into. Egypt. Also, remember this so, a yeah. simple
1: component of geopolitics is this. So, 99% of people in most countries, and I'm just using that random number, let's say it's 95%, are probably absolutely innocent people that have really couldn't care less one way or the other. I don't care if it's Israelis, Gazans. I don't care if it's like Egyptians, whoever, right? Like most people just want to live their fucking lives. They don't want to be bothered by any of this shit. That's the truth. Like if you if you go to any person's house in any place in the world, my father-in-law lived in Iran for uh quite a few years. In fact, my sister-in-law was born there. Um, he 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 had moved there for doing some uh, surgical work and stuff and was, you know, whatever. This is before the Shah was deposed and the Ayatollah came into play. That was an interesting kind of time. Anyway, the 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 if you go to and he used to describe how, like, Iranians are extremely nice people, like the Persians and whatnot. Uh, like, you know, if you if you're just roam around Iran, you're going to have a lot of nice friends there, very hospitable people, very courteous, and um, will invite you into your home and feed you and whatever else. Like, you know, oh, where are you from? Oh, okay. Like, they're very nice folks. Um, it's not what the media portrays all these people to be. So most people in most places are nice. That, I think that's my, um, like, default. What you have to realize, though, is that it only takes a few, da- few bad apples, a Hitler here, an Ayatollah there, to fuck up the entire country's prospects for the next century or whatever. And this is just a fact of life. And if it just so happens that you know your country, whichever one it is, America, whether it's you know, Argentina, wh- whoever, you happen to get an apple that just basically drives the you know, bad apple that drives your country in some bad direction, guess what? Like, you know, th- it's your population's fault for having given birth to that creature. And your children and their children are going to suffer for it for generations. And it's not to, you can predict it. It's just unlucky. It's just unlucky, guys. Like, I don't know how else to look at this. Like, you know, does the, do the Mongolians, you know, did they realize that Genghis Khan was going to, you know, dominate everybody? Did like, you know, who knows? Like, there's always somebody that gets lots of power for some reason and they cause a lot of havoc and um, whether it's like leaders of Hamas or Israel or whoever and you just get stuck with the leaders you get, man. It's like a roll of the dice. It's like going to a casino and everyone decides is my civilization going to die or is it going to survive? I mean,
3: like... But, you know, I'm Persian so I, I am from Iran and I lived there for 13 years and, you know, my uncle was a political prisoner until, like, you know, uh-huh. a couple of
1: weeks ago where do you, almost where do, you live, where do you live now out in the u.s or somewhere or what uh, I,
3: usually i live in germany but right now i'm in southeast asia i usually yeah. just travel around all the time uh just work and travel um, yeah yeah but um basically you know my perspective on the reason why these people are put in place is a little bit different i mean if you look at the two axes that we have right now, where you have, you know, the China-Russia axis and then Iran, and then Iran having that significant control in the region. So they basically control Iraq, pretty much. They control Syria. They I mean, not fully control, but they have a huge influence, right? Uh, they have Lebanon. So, you know, if you look at it, it's like you have these in in Iran specifically with the Shah, you had the like a US installed government that was then basically repelled um by the people. And it was done through like a movement that started within like the lowest um income grade of society that was exploited exactly. then by the well part of it um, was because you know, the
1: Shah tended to be anti um uh like he used to be against sort of militant Islamic types. So he used to have to like exert violence against them um, yeah. fairly regularly. Exactly. And this was, this was the reason why that the, when you basically like co-opted the general public and said, Oh, this guy is a dictator, whatever it's America, set him up. My father-in-law until the day he died quite literally would be, was upset with Jimmy Carter and what an imbecile he was for like, allowing the Shah to fall and um, basically subjugating Iran and whatnot. And even the people like, and, and depending on which side of, you know, the, 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 you know, which side you're on, you either like the fact that the Ayatollah is there or you hate the fact that he's there. A lot of people that left Iran, um, like some of the docs, doctors I've trained that were Irani were like, and Persian particularly, really, really despise what's happened to Iran and the Ayatollah taking over. And they actually long for the days of when the Shah was there because, like, at least you didn't have this, like, Islamist nation type of behavior. Because um, a lot of people in Iran are like, why in the fuck don't we just, like, have, like, a normal civilization where we can just, like, because Iran's actually got quite a bit of talent. Like, you could basically be, um, you know, you could really be essentially competing with European countries and maybe even exceed some of them in the sense, like, good resources and all of those things you know, plenty of, uh, impet- but you know, you know, the
3: issue is the, the real issue is that if you look at Iran from an objective point of view, from a, you know, geopolitical point of view, rather than like, look at the, um, you know, look at the situation of the general population, you could argue that, you know, Iran is extremely powerful now due to the fact that you know, they kind of build like that pole in the Middle East, whereas, you know, you've got all of these other countries in Europe completely abiding by the U.S. pretty much. And then you have all of the countries here in Southeast Asia, for example, also be kind of really much really controlled by uh, China to a large extent. And then you've got Iran kind of as this independent I mean, it's not independent, but it's definitely not considered a satellite state, I would say, at this point. I mean, if you look at the fact that they're now supplying Russia with drones, um, the fact that, you know, they were able to build their entire nuclear program with, like, the heftiest sanctions. So I think, you know, it's kind of always like a discussion of power in a sense. But yeah, I mean as you rightfully said, like the 95% of the people are the one who end up suffering. But, you know, that suffering is or, not or, or necessarily benefiting. only caused. Or benefiting,
0: yeah.
3: Or benefiting, yeah. But, you know, that suffering is not necessarily caused by the country itself, mostly. It is somehow, you know, sometimes caused by you know, the reaction of that international community onto that country, for example, imposing sanctions and, you know, causing hyperinflation um, and then exploited again by that upper class in that country where, you know, these 95% live, who, you know, control all the resources and the labor market. And essentially, you know, every time inflation goes up a new sanction comes or there is like a bomb going off in Iraq at a camp. Um, you know, the real goes up by 2000. Yeah, well, that's great for them. That means lower wages. That means lower uh, production costs. So, you know, in the end, you know, to, to yesterday, Kim.com tweeted like, yeah, uh, here's a list of uh, 10 reasons why you shouldn't be afraid of uh, World War Three. And it was like an empty paper. And I, I literally replied, Uh, you know, with that same image, with one line that all of the countries in the world benefit from each other's existence without exception. So, you know, when Iran is put into uh, onto sanctions, that is great for the highest levels in Iran. um, And it's great for, you know, those competing nations who are able to fill in the uh, gap in the market. So, you know, that's why when I say when we're, when we're discussing the pandemic when i say yeah do you think there might be like a demographic reason behind it i really do think that the world is way more you know one i'm not i'm not saying it's all under one control but it is an invisible hand there um yeah the, and I think the invisible, invisible hand is something thing.
1: that is always there in that like in any country in any universe, you know, you know, you basically don't know what every single component of that universe is doing and how much, how centralized or decentralized is the invisible hand is the other question too. And, but you can't control for most of those things. So what countries try to do is they try to sort of like make the visible hand um really, really obvious to the extent that it's possible. So for example, a nuclear submarine is a visible hand. It's not an invisible one in a sense like it's like we have this and so therefore you can't do this, this, and this. And um so like the projection of power, the projection of the image of power, all of that is going to be something that's always done. And some countries have a more of an interest in becoming a hegemonic power in that region. Um, countries that tend to want to become hegemons are the ones that tend to have high energy resources. So for example, India can't go fuck around too much because there's not that much ener- like there's not enough energy locally to support the uh, the growth of some kind of a war power. So, you know, whereas like if a country has plenty of oil like an Iran or a US or a Russia, you can see how different they are. Right? Like like the the ones that have the highest energy equals military might ultimately because they have an exportable resources they can print like and they can print money based on that, and they can use that to buy and build all sorts of interesting weapons and shit. It's a, it's a very clear correlation between who has lots of energy and who causes chaos in the world or influences. But like, how many problems do you see coming out of Thailand? And guess what? Like, you're, you're, Thailand doesn't cause any problems compared to Iran or the US or something like that for other people, right? It's very closely tied to energy resources, which is really quite fascinating. Um, so, yeah, the ability to project power is about energy resources. And, um, like, you know, if Iran didn't have tons of oil resources, you'd just be living in a different world. In fact, if guess who is the one that actually made Iran powerful? It was actually America. Why? Because in Pennsylvania, uh, not only was oil discovered, but the refining of it was discovered, which changed the entire world. Pet- the Petro Agro. And oil revolution happened as a result of that. In fact, the Middle East would probably have like, I don't know, probably like one-tenth or so like the population that it has now if it wasn't for the petro agro revolution Guess who created that? That was almost entirely caused by the West. Most of those technologies came out of the West that caused that, whether it's energy or otherwise. So it's like funny to me, it's like if everyone looks at each other's contributions, people look at the contribution of Iranians or the contribution of Americans or the contribution of Canadians or whoever, right? And say, hey, look, we have this world we have now because of all these neat contributions. And people were very good at like patting each other in the back and saying, yeah, thank you for your math contributions. It helped us cure cancer or some shit. Then we'd have live in a good world. Instead, what we have is like energy leads to power centralization, which then leads to sort of like hegemonic battles over who should rule what and whatever else. Um, but if you look at the world as it exists today, I mean, like you wouldn't even be having Middle East wars if we hadn't discovered oil right? Like who the fuck would go to the Middle East to play around over there if you didn't have things, like, it's all about you know, money. So it's not just money. It's just, it's about energy. Money is not a meaningless concept. Energy is what matters. Um, energy is like the end result. It's why we have the human, um, like, it's why we have the world we live in today. Really it's energy. Um, money but plays I, a role. I but think
3: it's, it's slowly shifting from only energy also towards a Food and water, to be honest. I mean, when I look at the Ukraine war, I I don't see And I mean, yeah, of course, there's that energy component from like Russia to Europe, but like when we're strictly talking about Ukraine, I mean, they're like one of the biggest grain producers in the world as well,
1: right? I have a simple kind of concept. There's only E equals MC squared. Energy and mass, these are the two things that matter. And mass is in the form of resources like minerals and and which then turn into food and whatnot. Water, which is basically a, uh, you know, molecular compound, right? Like all of these things are just molecules. Uh, so E equals MC squared. You can just basically sum up everything that anyone human cares about from that equation, basically at some level. And um, you know, so that's all. Like I get it, resource wars and everything. But there's not going to be a world in which there's no resource wars. I don't think it's like very difficult to create that world. Um, like if you had a kumbaya world where everyone is friendly. Um, I I think it'd be a weird world. I think it'd probably end up being highly tyrannical because in order to forget to get everyone to agree on something, whether it's a religion or whether it's a a way of life or something, um, you would have to destroy genetic diversity to do it. You'd have to do eugenics in order to create that world where everyone thinks the same um, and where we're all like robots that, you know, all exactly like each other's comments and, you know, whatever, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like it'd be a weird world where everyone was friendly. Um, I think that would be, um, it's certainly not the universe that we know. And I don't think it's possible, by the way. It's not, you, you can't actually do this because any attempt to eugenically centralize like human genetics will probably lead to our extinction anyway, right? Because genetic diversity is necessary for our survival. Everybody knows this. It's like simple, simple genetics. So it's like, you're not like, so I, I think like either ideologic or which is if it comes in the form of religious or political or genetic lack of diversity, both will lead lead to our extinction either way. Um, And I think like, (laughs) it's just what it is, but yeah, interesting guys. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, um, so do you think like, um, you know, but to me, it's like, I don't know it, the thing is, it's like, the the U.S. in particular is not particularly that interested in going and invading Iran. In fact, if it wanted to keep Germany, it could have. If it wanted to keep it could, if it wanted to keep Japan, it could have. To the, to a large extent, the American population is very much about like live and let live. To a large extent.
0: Well, even if they wanted to invade in Iran, they can't. Iran will probably is too powerful for to
1: them anyway. Uh, well, no, that's this is not true. You can destroy the infrastructure of Iran in moments. I, I, would, I would strongly yeah, discourage that theory. I mean,
0: that's, that, that's not what I meant. It, keeping when, it's a it's, difficult thing, right? That's not what I meant by powerful and kicking America's ass. That's not what I meant. America's obviously number one. What I meant is Ameri- um, Iran has the capabilities of fucking up more shit and causing more damage and with nuclear blah, 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 blah. But not in a war sense against America. Not obviously America will kick their ass, but they obviously they have nuclear weapons and all this crap. So they would ju- too scary. You guys they would block the Straits of Fort Moose.
3: U.S. companies are doing with you know, Iran, and especially you know talking about like natural resources, um, <laughs> lithium, <laughs> Tesla, um, you know like you you would look at this world very differently when you're looking at like Iran and the US. Yeah. I mean there is that whole theater of you know for example my uncle's six years in jail um but generally you know the economic relationships in this whole you know the whole reason why after World War Two we didn't have like a ginormous world war is because of this hyper, um, yeah, kind of mix of globalization and capitalism. So there is so many economic relationships, especially around like rare earth metals and chemicals and stuff like that, you know, yeah, and, the, and they're, they're the basically going against yeah. like all the laws that they impose on like the general population in terms of like sanctions and stuff that Everyone is kind of accomplice to it, so there is no way that they can, you know, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like a crime where everyone is involved, so no one is telling on right. each other. So yeah, I don't think the U.S. would ever invade Iraq. Yeah, it's, there's
1: there's no good reason to do this. Like it's just not like what would you achieve exactly, and and, and like how would you fill that power vacuum, and like what, what, what would you, you know? So the thing is like ultimately if it, the iran people eventually want a different regime they would just have to figure it out for themselves ultimately and um the, the trouble is like with modern weapons and such it's very difficult to get rid of authoritarian regimes and stuff that you don't like so for example north korea would be a perfect example of that the average north korean has really no choice they're basically like if, if they like kim jong-un they don't like him whatever uh well they and incidentally they love him because they're 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 like brainwashed to love him from the beginning, right? But like, uh, but if yeah, the, these kind of unfree worlds is something that even Iranian people should probably be worried about. Because here's the thing: maybe the Ayatollah is a nice guy. Maybe he, maybe he's uh, you know good for the Iranian people. But guess what? The next guy might not be. And now you gave all the power to a. You're gonna give all the power to a person that subjugates people even further. Um, yeah, the, when you have the potential for subjugation. Um, by the way, and when you have a subjugated population, it dramatically decreases innovation as well. That's just part of it because nobody else wants to do business with you. No one wants to come put a business in Iran or whatever, but like, would Iran have way, way more benefits if lots of companies wanted to come and put their, um, branches in Iran? Sure. Like, so there, there is definitely a decision that was made by the, the, the Iranian leadership that decided, Hey, we're going to cut off from such and such. you know and like we're not going to get the benefits of economic activity between these different countries and that's just well once again america doesn't really allow competition for example
0: china's pretty fucking competitive and they don't want any of their companies in america so uh, america kind of likes to shut off competition from you know
1: um being it also depends on the type of regime too like that's the thing like um you know, like, it, are these folks that are acting in good faith? Like, for example, if you take, like, Germans that show up in America, are most Germans, like, you know, are, are Germans the leading hackers against, you know, American systems? Not exactly, right? Like, this is more North Korea and China. If, like, that was not the case, then, yeah, there, there might be a reason to believe that, like, okay, they're benign. Like, take, for example, how much hacking of American system is happening by Indians? tons of Indians live in America. In fact, it's the highest per capita earning group in the country is Indians, It's not even white people or whoever. And how much like drama is there between India and the United States? Relatively little in the grand scheme of things. Not only that, but do you worry that like, oh, Indians are owning too much land in America? Not really. They own 90% of the hotels right now as we speak. So the thing is, like, it depends on your ideology, the probability that like, The average Indian is going to come and like blow up America is relatively low. And on top of that, India is not doesn't have expansionist policies all over the the, uh, all over Asia trying to steal your land and shit. So the thing is, like, there's definitely kind of it depends on that particular country and how it behaves, I think, in terms of how either Europe or India or even China. Look at China, for that matter. They shut off the Internet of like the U.S. Internet to Chinese people. Why would they do this? Right, like, why would they do this? So it's not like it's not like these are all like just perfectly good people. And it's like, well, you know, America's just making decisions for everybody else. I mean, America was pretty fucking cordial to China if you really think about it. Like, you know, supported a tremendous amount of economic growth in China. Nixon specifically went to China, even though they were fucking socialists or whatever, and they were sort of in a cold war, and tried to bridge gap, you know, and create tons of gap, you know, bridging to the Chinese people and like. Hey, we'll have less wars and nuclear wars if we all create economic ties and all that shit. I think like a lot of people were pretty cordial, and like, why in the world does does China attempt to be sort of like so authoritarian? I don't know. They they have their their reasons, I suppose, but I don't know. So like Confucian,
3: I think it's a little bit
1: cultural. Yeah, as well. I Confucian mean, you're Chinese taking culture like is different. An
3: individualist culture, and then you have like a very collectivist culture and then you know that's portrayed to us i mean if you ask a chinese person what they think of you know the chinese government they they usually have like quite a favorable opinion i mean is that like deep 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 inside their true opinion beyond like all the layers of cultural programming that's a different story but you could argue the exact same thing for us right you could argue the exact same thing for us i have a sense too that like
1: the culture you create is based on two things the genetics of your your group coupled with the environment they happen to live in so for example if you take a group of people with a certain type of genetic predilections and you drop them on a, a desert island they might behave differently than a group of people that have like abundance resources, right? Like you can understand how like environment matters also, where, where, what happened, you know, all of that. But the thing is like, yeah. So the bottom line is your culture is at least some reflection of the individual DNA. The reason I don't buzz around like a beehive is because I don't have bee DNA. My, my, my DNA is more similar to a monkey than it is to a, to a bee. So that's why I don't act like an insect the same way like that's right cultures. That, that's at strange. some level human beings like just you know if we are separated with enough genetic differences like the japanese could actually evolve to have a different culture because their evolution led to a different batch of dna with different predilections different mental illnesses different like ways of thinking in terms of like what you're obsessed with etc right like you're you're uh, like look at uh japanese culture as a good example like Talk about a group of fucking obsessives! Jesus fucking Christ! I mean, like, like, ha- like, look how they like, like, work on their swords or work on their architecture, or work on their art. I mean, it's extremely fine detail, extreme obsessiveness. Germans are very similar, by the way. Um, the Germans have fantastic engineers. The the, the 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 Japanese do, but is it because like, oh, education got them there? Fuck no! Have you ever met these people? Obsessive as fuck. Like, you talk about autistic, whatever you want to call it. Like, Jesus Christ, like, that wasn't a, I don't think that was a learned behavior. They're like that no matter where you put them. Tevi,
2: you're not right? like, allowed it's like they, to. They move to anywhere they behave like this.
1: That. In fact, if you go to a lot of medical labs in the, in the United States, like, there's very few people that have the productivity of the Chinese. Like, it's not even a comparison. They don't mind sitting in that lab, sitting there fucking, you know, playing with their test tubes and the pipettes and whatever, all day and all night until the late hours of night. 24 seven, they don't give a fuck what their hours are or anything else. They're going to get this job done. Right. Or look at TSMC, the Taiwanese people and how they build microchips. That's how the Mexicans are. Yeah. Mexicans work like fucking like amazing. <laughs> like, like, central, like as far as like, fuck. Man. yeah, they're just absolute machines, dude. Like, so yeah, I think genetic predilections do have a relationship with, with culture to some extent. And um, like in China in particular, Like, I think what's what Tats saying is like, correct in that, like, to their genetic proclivities, they see that type of government is perfectly fine. Like, that's like, in other words, if their government didn't behave like that, they would be concerned. If that makes sense. Like, that's just like what that's what they expect. And and it's portrayed to Americans as really bad. And our way of life is portrayed to Chinese as very, very bad. And the Chinese don't want to poison their way of life with, you know, American liberalism or whatever you want to call it which is thought to be kind of a little bit insane sometimes, which it is by the way, like, you know, do I think that fucking worrying about, you know, transvestites and turning kids into sex changes, or whatever, is insane. I think it's insane. Like I'm going to side with the Chinese on this one. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, but if you watch like, like Zen was saying earlier, if you watch Chinese dramas, Korean dramas and whatever, like you watch television from those groups, um, like, um, like that's a very homogenous society with a very very sort of like specific sort of family values and whatnot. In fact, a lot of the reason why a lot of people in America are enjoying watching Chinese and Korean dramas and stuff is because it's like a relative it's a throwback to a very like conservative American culture to some extent. Like this is how in many ways um conservative people in the west sort of behaved until it became hyper liberal. So it seems like wow, the Chinese and Japanese and whatever, that seems like really, really conservative family values compared to what we see on in uh, American TV where pretty much like the picture is that, oh, every every third person is gay and like every sixth person is trans side or whatever. That's how the, the portrayal is today on Netflix or on Disney or whatever, where it's just simply not the case. It's like the portrayal is very interesting. And the Chinese are, just don't like the fact that uh, American media and American Hollywood and all these other things, like, sort of brainwash people into becoming sort of like quasi retards which it has done like you have to concede this at some level so like and i see it in, in new students like that, that come to teach and they're just complete imbeciles now it's like it's really difficult <laughs> like so it's like uh i think like i can see why the chinese for example want to block some acts, aspects of like western liberalism or whatever into their culture they feel like it's going to sort of taint their culture similar to how like in the u.s you can't just curse on tv i mean they're liberalizing that too to some extent but before you couldn't say whatever the fuck you wanted whenever you wanted to um on tv you would get censored and everything um it's not that different um but definitely the chinese take censorship and whatnot to a different level and part of it's because the the average chinese person doesn't want to see that shit necessarily um look at indian uh programming um so indian like they call it bollywood and whatever um was way more conservative before than it is now like it's gotten over the past 30 40 years is becoming racier by the decade in terms of how much skin people show how much like um pda type stuff is like portrayed on on in movies and stuff it's it's really shifted f- quite far i mean even in india sex sells Bikram's not here but he would he would probably Clarify this more further because he's from there. But like you definitely a shift has but happened that's there. That's my favorite thing about
2: Bollywood. I uh, which like is it. funny because my
1: wife all prefers right prefers to watch fucking Chinese. She's Indian. She prefers to watch Chinese dramas and she's watched more Chinese fucking dramas and, and Korean dramas lately than she's watched Indian shit in a very long time. That's gotta tell you something. There's something that resonates with people about that sort of conservative um programming that a lot of those TV shows have. And I, I kind of watched in the periphery a little bit, but Tats, you know what I'm talking about? Like, have you seen these yet? Like Chinese and Korean and whatever TV.
3: Um, yeah, I have. I mean, I kind of, I mean, I have seen like the way it looks. I can't really, um, you know, like storyline wise, I don't have like the exact uh, details of the, you know, what stories they portray, but I I kind of know the gist of it. What I know more of is like the the way, you know, Turkish TV shows and, you know, Arabic ones, those ones, the way they portray stuff. But, you know, what I generally always wonder is how do these, um, how does this, why is this media created and what messages are they kind of communicating to the people and then if you look at the way hollywood functions and especially i find you know science fiction very interesting um it's kind of you know they hollywood predicted most things that are now becoming reality um many many years ago and i think that's kind of the difference that we have in terms of the media we get to consume, where it is kind of, sometimes, you know, not always, but sometimes, especially, you know, the older stuff, uh, very much so designed to push the boundaries of our thinking into new realms. Whereas with media, I see, in um the, like you know entertainment content like movies and tv shows that i see in um the you know like turkish stuff or arabic stuff it's like very much around like the way people should be exactly
1: agreed. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah no for for sure like if you look at asian stuff it's way more about behavioral dramas than it is about say for example sci-fi and a couple of things like comedy and sci-fi are two areas where if you're going to have a decent story, you got to push some boundaries. Like, Because like sci-fi is about possible dystopias, possible utopias, and possible stories that are nothing like the culture or the civilization or the technology you have today, right? So by definition, it has to be sort of anti-establishment. Comedy is the same way. Anything that's funny is by definition like a rebellion at some level. It's like you know, you're about, you You know, something that shouldn't be funny, like you know, about sex or about race or something is funny. Um, and, you know, so comedy is like that. And then sci-fi is also that to some extent, what you notice is that if you go to Asian programming, you have like way less, I, I would say comedy, um, and, and even less sci-fi in, in Asian sort of circles. And I think it's because, um, and, and there's a bit more sci-fi now. Like there's definitely some South Korean sci-fi, some Japanese, of course. The Japanese love sci-fi comparatively. Um, less so that I've seen of Chinese, and, or at least that's produced very well. Because sci-fi is about alternative futures, alternative governments, alternative ways of sort of like how life completely changes. And the problem is if you have relatively authoritarian governments um, who are monitoring this stuff, like you can't portray a sci-fi version of China in the future that's dramatically different from today's version. Otherwise it's going to be looked at as a type of subversion against the government, right? The same is true. as probably in Iran as well. There's going to be like, so programming for the masses is truly just going to be opiate for the masses. Like usually love stories and shit, you know, promoting like positive religiosity, positive family, whatever. And that's the end of it because, because like, Anything more than that would be kind of a rebuke against governments and stuff, right? It's like a George Orwell type of thing. Um, so I, I, I think like, that's why like, if you have countries that are less free, um, you simply are going to fall economically behind. I don't care if it's Iran or anybody else. Anywhere where you try to suppress free thought, you're going to automatically have less innovation because the public is too worried about what the government is going to think or say about them and is going to silence them in some form or fashion. I think it's true in China, Iran, places like that. They've they've not done their a disservice. In fact, they just don't understand why America became as big as it is. The reason why America is as big as it is, is of course some mixture of like a couple of oceans, great land, plenty of resources, and lots of people. But in particular, the acceleration, if you just meet people in America on a regular basis and you see what they're doing, a lot of it's because people leave you the fuck alone to do whatever the hell you want to do for the most part I mean, for the most part technical innovation whatever and that is what makes the united states like continue to progress and by the way um if anyone's wondering like i say this on space a lot if anyone's wondering if like america's doing great things i got news for you there's like dozens of gigantic technologies coming out of the united states right now they're going to fucking blow your mind over the next 20 years in medicine robotics in um genetics and like hey, advanced question. materials like endless amounts of shits coming out that like it's going to be very hard to compete against all those innovations at any point in the near future like, do there...
0: you think we're close to a cancer vaccine or any types of stuff like that for... oh yes
1: absolutely things like that are happening as we speak yes
0: i mean not cancer vaccines i mean cures for cancer i should say
1: yes yes in fact i told the story of my father's leukemia that was was basically cured with an immunologic agent that wasn't around 10 years ago. So yes, all of that is happening as we speak. Cystic fibrosis, dramatic um, change in outcomes there. Um, it's not just cancers. There's lots of different things. Adenocarcinomas, traumatic increase in lifespan with those. Um, and, and so every mechanism you can imagine that, is, that can be biologically manipulated is being looked at to treat lots of stuff. So yeah, we're seeing dramatic amounts of innovation, which, by the way, is going to ha- end up helping people all over the planet. Because once you invent these things, it helps everybody. Um, like, you see, as a doctor, an uptick in cancer—people coming in, like uh,
0: having more cancer nowadays. Less cancer—is it more in young people? Is it has it been the same?
1: Um, when it comes to cancer, um, like. I don't have, like, there's some demographic things that happen in America. One is the number of people dying of heart attacks uh, and the number of hospital admissions for that have gone down because of a mixture of medications and, and stents and all sorts of different things. So one part of this is hard to sort of see as an individual doctor because the number of cancers um, are going to go up because you survive to get them. You follow what I'm saying here? Like, if you don't die of this, 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 and this, yes. cancer kills everybody eventually. If you live long enough, you're fucked. That's how life is. Um, so once you get to a certain age, it's like hip fractures, falls, dementias, cancers become very, very robust if people live long enough. Now, is there a big uptick in cancers? It wouldn't shock me if there was because like the number of fucking chemicals we put into the environment and like what do we not eat that doesn't come in plastic or some shit? Probably like it, would, like, it wouldn't shock me at all if we had more cancers. On the, in the aggregate though, we don't normally work like the biggest thing afflicting human beings is not cancers. Generally it's public health. So if you're in Africa and you're dying of, you know, food poisoning, water poisoning, or you like whatever bacterial illnesses, diarrhea, malaria, like the modern world has made people live a lot longer and live toward at least their most productive lives. Does that mean some people are going to get cancers because of various chemicals and asbestos or whatever? Sure, it's going to happen. But if you take the overall aggregate, would I rather live in the world we live now or the world of 200 years ago? Clearly, now. Um, Like I've seen some random Twitter comments about, oh, there's an uptick of cancers, and you know, oh, there's like this increased number of them. I'm not so sure about that exactly. We do have a lot of interesting new testing now. We have stool testing for cancers. We have like. Uh, so we have a lot more detection techniques for bacteria and things like that, PCR studies. And so definitely things have changed over the last 10 years in terms of detection capabilities. So is it possible that we're detecting all sorts of cancers in people? We're doing screening lung studies.
3: Whoa, you just gave me a huge business idea, a toilet where you take a shit and it automatically tells analyzes. It tells you, you, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like, there's, there's all sorts of techniques. So that when you ask like the question, are we just simply detecting more cancers? Or are there actually more cancers? I'm not sure about the answer to that one. Because a lot of people historically have just simply dropped dead. Like, like we see people die all the time. I work in the ICU. And so you see people that have all sorts of random things all the time. Um, and I'm not sure if some of those patients have cancer or not, right? Because immune system deteriorates when you have cancer. You may not even detect the cancer, but they're deteriorating for some random cause. We used to call it failure to thrive. You know How many people used to die of failure to thrive and now we just actually diagnose those cancers? I don't know. So when I see these things on the internet of people talking about these things, we have to wait for decades for epidemiologic data to come out to clarify whether those comments are true or not. So it's not as easy as just looking up on the internet and going, oh, we're all dying of random new cancers now. No. You know, it's, it's, it's actually not that straightforward. What do you think of parasites though? I mean, a couple,
3: of, a couple of weeks ago, I read this article about how, you know, there is, like, I think, like, 0.3% 0, 0. of Japanese, or maybe it was a bit more, um, have, you know, parasites in their brains because of the raw fish they eat the whole time. I'm gen- generally wondering, I mean, like, I think malaria is, like, a single-cell parasite, if I'm not yes. wrong. Um, and then you've got like that other one that you get through like these water snails, which is um, kind of like goes into your body and then it lays eggs in your body. Right. And the problem is not really the parasite, but the eggs themselves that kind of give you all sorts of um, crazy diseases. So I'm wondering, is that stuff like are you talking about the worldwide? You're talking about the U.S.
1: specifically. I mean,
3: yeah, I'm are talking. I mean, I, I assume in Africa it's basically it, it's always been shit and it's still shit. And I'm yeah. not really, you know, I don't want to limit this to like malaria and um that other thing. I, I want to um, kind of understand the general state of like parasitic.
1: I'm not a, I'm not um, like. I don't have deep it. expertise in this at all. Like it's very superficial at best. <laughs> but like, um, is there? A dramatic shift in parasite-related diseases in America? I don't think so. At least, not nothing that I've been made aware of. And usually, we'd hear about these things if there's some big, gigantic thing happening. So I'm not sure. Um, you know, we have different levels of tuberculosis from time to time. We have different types of um, like, but usually, worms and things of this nature. We don't have a whole lot of that in the U.S. Um, it's a, like you have a lot more parasitic things in Middle East, in India, in Africa. It's more tropical climates, quite frankly, where you get a lot of lot more of the parasite problems. Um, there, are, of course, like some paras- some parasites related to cats, like toxoplasma. That um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have any cats in my house. But if you have a cat, that's one of the problems you could wind up having. That's a brain disease for human beings. Cysticercosis can happen if you have a cat, of course. So if you're a cat person, uh, I guess, watch out for that, I suppose. Um, dog, dog lovers don't have this problem. Um, but yeah, there's different, uh, I, but I, I don't think, I, I don't know of any kind of major change in that area. And if there was, I'd be the last one to probably know about it, honestly. <laughs> I don't keep up with that kind of literature at all, as far as parasites and things. These are more like people at the CDC. what, what do you okay. like
3: specialize in by the way like you said during covid is it like are you like focused on lungs or what is your
1: key focus uh yeah it's it's pulmonary and critical care so it's a mixture of lungs and intensive care things so um and the reason why those two profession those two uh, things come together is because many people in ICUs require ventilators um, and many people in ICUs have are there for lung disease. That's why it, the, the profession, it's like a dual profession type of thing. There are people that do just critical care, just pulmonary, but most people do both that, that are in that particular field. Yeah. More to your saying I'm
0: sorry. I don't mean to kill the professional talk, but Ethereum is at 3000.
1: Ah, there you go. That's why everything's sort of pumping. <laughs> like, yeah, like links up to like 1860 again, Zephyr 22, Kajira 4, yeah, all, all these things are sort of slow to climbing again. I I I figured this would happen because like we had a pullback um in a lot of different things. Um like maybe at 10, 15%. And so long as BTC stays flat, altcoins are start to will start to run usually. So um and it's because like people look at the ROI, they say, Hey, look, uh if BTC goes from 50K to like 69k, I'm not getting rich off of that, but if BTC does go from 50k to 50 you know 69k, my chain link's going to go to 50 bucks, right like that So they see a 3x there where they only see like a 20 percent gain in Bitcoin or whatever. So this is why this is why the alts will start to run at this point at this stage in the cycle, um, like BTC, the right time to buy that was at the very, very bottom, um, and now the the alts have a better ROI essentially. Um, in fact, the alts have had an ROI better even since the Bitcoin bottom, quite frankly. But you you had the time to like buy Bitcoin at the bottom and cycle out of it after 2x and then jump into alts. That was kind of the play. That's what I did. Anyway. But- yeah. So
0: right now I'm looking
1: at Ethereum
0: to stabilize. I want BTC to stabilize and just have alts upon
3: You folks are like the first proper, or you at least, um, are like the... For a sake, very intellectual, crypto person I meet in uh, Twitter spaces, I have to say. It's really been a pleasure. Um, I think it's been a couple of hours since I've been here as well, and I've really enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you. And I think my space has rocked because I don't hear anything. So whatever you're saying or you just said... um. Didn't hear that. So I'm going to just leave and come back out. Or no, leave and come back in. Sefi, you
0: talking? I can't hear him. Yeah, I think he just has his mic on. I don't think he's actually talking. Did I rug? are you talking? Give a thumbs up if you can hear me. No, I can hear you. I don't think he's talking, though. It said he's having connection issues. So we all just gelling in here in silence. Great. Yep. While Ethereum starts pumping. Feels good. Seffi's the only genius one who can only talk, that can carry the conversations we all stuff. I'm eating, I'm not like Cephi where he just eats and talks. I can't do that shit.
2: Motherfucker's, Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy, before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality, stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first, before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and under the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and play, ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfucker's walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living. Southern friendship bracelets Dead ants dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days, got them acting all faithless. Yo fam, what? Check these token oh, state. Stay oh, oh. in this bear flexing broken oh, eyes oh. I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting Nottas And then to end a long day Eleven bowls of chronic Never known the politic I was born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom Over impossible losses, all mine and I'm liking the odds Bond doing the morning, Informing mycological bonds Click the cap though the road is highly involved Flip a coin Diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first Come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds Of treasures under the dirt We rape them under the earth Sit and wonder about the worth And play Ring around the rosy While the thunder is served Trying to figure out out the max amount of dental lace, stacked in non toxic, just to get a better place. Smacking on the hostage, like the shit is play for keeps clowns, white knight, and all these Maybellines. They call it implausible, When model after model keeps on ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats. Tearing apart your community, all these low hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity. Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each. I'm on the back ten, stargazing after the siege. Commanding all the management to grab a few seats and then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger each. the rosy, while the thunder is served. Zero spaces.